93.3 and AM 560. By staying silent, we are a part of the problem. KWTO. It's time for Team's Top. Well, U.S. Senator Eric Schmidt is about to make history. He'll be delivering his first speech on the Senate floor this afternoon. Did not know he had not made a major address yet, but today is apparently the day. U.S. Senator Eric Schmidt scheduled to deliver his maiden speech on the Senate floor today. He's expected to speak about his background and upbringing, his path to the United States Senate, and then he will focus public policy-wise on the horrors and evils of the administrative state and the stifling of freedom of speech. We'll bring any details from that speech uh, to you after we hear it as well and talk about it tomorrow. How about we do number two? Chuck Grassley, U.S. Senator from the great state of Nebraska, has stated that the Burisma exec who allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden has audio recordings of his conversations with them. Now that's an insurance policy. Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, remember those two goofballs, those two lovebirds? They thought they had the insurance policy on Donald Trump, the Russian collusion scam. The problem is... An insurance policy needs to be real, right, for it to be a really valid insurance policy. When it's fake and phony, it's not going to hold up. But if the Burisma executive, who's also apparently an asset of the Russian Foreign Intelligence Service, if he's got the audio recordings, then he's got the goods. Is this the beginning of the end of the Bidens? Only if the media decides so, unfortunately. And how about we do number three? Well, if you thought that we might be near the end of the reign of terror of George Soros, I hate to tell you that uh, I guess protégés spring eternal. George Soros's fourth son, I don't know what happened to the other three, his fourth son apparently is going to be his uh, designated successor. So unfortunately, the anarchy, the chaos, the communism of left-wing lunacy will continue with that $25 billion Soros fortune. That's Tim's Top 3 Part 2 for a Tuesday, June the 13th, 2023, 7.09 a.m. in the Heartland. Kyle Silva! Away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. Well, Cass, unfortunately, it sounds like your generation and the ones after are now going to have to deal with even more George Soros madness and mayhem. Sorry. Probably. I kind of want to put my future children in an Amish community just to protect them yeah. from the badness. <laughs> no kidding. Every day something uh, new happens that makes me think, hmm, being Amish doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> they're saying that the son may be even more dangerous and more because he may be more involved. He'd be, he's more of an activist, if, if that's possible, uh, than even his father. So that's not good at all. That's not good at all. Um. James Comer revealing even more possible Biden bribery schemes. I'm going to have to send the sound on this. This this just like popped up on my Twitter feed. So I'll have to send this to Cass. Maybe we can play this later in the, uh, excuse me, later in the program. But how about we get through, how about we get through the first round of allegations? You know, how about, how about everybody report on those first? Isn't that amazing that we can't seem to get anybody to report on those in the very beginning? 
Hey, welcome back to the program. It is 7.10, almost 7.11 in the a.m. It is Tuesday, June the 13th, 2023. What do we got coming up for you? What's what's in store? Well, at 7.15, we're going to speak with the one and only Missouri State Senator Jill Carter. She is the successor to the Ron Richard Senate seat. So we're going to talk to Jill Carter about her memories, her reflections about the late, great Speaker of the House and Senate President Pro Tem, Ron Richard, as we continue to memorialize and remember him this week. Uh, arrangements have been made. The visitation is this evening in Joplin, and tomorrow is the funeral mass. We'll also talk to Senator Carter about, <clears throat> you know, there weren't a lot of successes from this legislative session. And on one hand, as someone who prefers more limited government, I'm happy about that. I'm glad that a lot of the swamp sludge did not make it across the finish line. On the other hand, both Caleb Rowden, the Senate President Pro Tem, and Dean Plocker, the Speaker of the House, identified seven legislative priorities. I, I don't know if Plocker shared in those. I do have to be honest about that. I know that Caleb Rowden laid them out because we've played, we've, I've, I've read from the, um, I've read from the reports that were published around the beginning of session. I think Plocker shared in those as well because they were things that everybody was supposed to agree upon, right? Uh, and they got one of them done out of the seven. But that one was very important because it was about children and young people and protecting as much of their age of innocence as possible. So the bills that did pass, and they were kind of viewed as a package, although they were two separate bills, uh, were the Save Women's Sports Act and protecting kids. This And the second one was the SAFE Act, protecting kids from the lunacy of the transgender cult. Those both did make it across the finish line, and those both were signed by the governor in short order. He signed them like a week or two ago. So Senator Jill Carter, she had, I believe, versions of those bills. And Mike Moon ended up being the primary sponsor in the Senate, but they all worked together on on those and they got them across the finish line. They, it, it was it was hard. And the bills were definitely watered down. And by that, I mean, there was a four-year sunset put on the SAFE Act. Why? I, I know, I, well, the short answer to why is so it, was, so it could get across the finish line. But why would opponents of that legislation want that so they can go back to like operating on children and chemically castrating them four years from now right how bizarre if you want to if you want to know who some of the biggest special interests okay pick up your pen and get a piece of paper and i'm going to give you the biggest special interests in jefferson city and i'll bet you that um i'll bet you that these are some of the biggest special interests in washington dc as well uh former congressman long or congressman burleson could probably validate and vindicate me on this but i know for a fact these are the biggest special interests in jefferson city now there's a ton of special interests these tend to be the ones that have the most impact <clears throat> so <clears throat> excuse me big labor okay organized labor um whether they're on the public sector or the private sector side now the public sector has been getting more powerful over the last few years and many would argue they're more powerful than the Private sector now, private sector labor, because public sector labor has more people in it. It's all your state workers and all your public employees, your teachers and all that. So, and I'm not saying all the people that are in these unions are bad. I'm saying they're leadership. So big labor is one of your biggest special interests. Big education, the education establishment, the teachers unions, the, the I always call it the unholy alliance of the teachers unions, the school board, the school board association, and the superintendents. Okay, so big education, so big labor, big education, big trial bar. 
the plaintiff's trial, the plaintiff's, the plaintiff's lawyers. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As, <clears throat> as an attorney, I mainly almost, I mean, I 95% plus of the time, I was on the side of the tort reformers. I do understand you can go too far. As an attorney, you, 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 you can always go too far in something. You can always, you can always bend the curve so much till the point where it breaks. And I will tell you, we've done a ton of tort reform in the state. When I first got into the legislature, we needed to do a lot of tort reform. We did. The, the, the plaintiff's trial bar was running amok, but they've probably been the most beaten down special interest over the last few years. You, you want things to be fair, right? You want people to have access to the courts. You just don't want it to be completely unfair. And you know what? So those are the big three. And then on top of that, you've got now big hospital, big medicine, big university, and they're the ones who made the SAFE Act uh, only have a four-year statute of limitations, which is kindly, uh, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, oh, thanks, Congressman Long. I was, um, it's, it's when I try to just re- remember some things from memory. I, I, you know, we often don't remember things correctly. Grassley is from Iowa. Chuck Grassley's Iowa, not Nebraska. So, Chuck Grassley from the great state of Iowa, where my daughter. I, I should know these things because my daughter's going there in like two months. She's going to be a Drake Bulldog. I'm going to be spending a, I'm going to be spending a lot more time in Iowa. And how perfect that we're heading into the caucus season. I'm going to have to call up my old friends there. I have a couple of old speaker friends there and some majority leaders I know. I know some of the current people as well. Maybe spending some time. Maybe I have to do a remote show from Iowa as well as we approach the Iowa caucuses. All right, let's get to a break now. Let's bring in uh, Senator Jill Carter. When we come back, we're going to talk to her about all those issues and what she's working on in the interim and more. When we come back after Don Luzader's traffic that you need to know here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Overall, things looking good on the streets of Springfield this morning. We have no major crashes or slowdowns to tell you about this time around. We continue to have lane reductions on I-44 during the evening and overnight hours in the Joplin area. It says crews do a nighttime deck repair on the Main Street Bridge there in Joplin at exit 6. Uh, the westbound bridge is reduced to 1. Lo- 3 and AM 560. Hey, that was the old regime. Who's going to go to jail for this? KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Sweet as candy, it's taste is on my mind. Are people talking about perhaps an asymmetry uh, uh, administration? Yeah, a lot of them are. And um, in particular, they want to know why a sitting president who had the authority to declassify documents, um, they're going after him, whereas a former vice president, and don't forget, that's when all these documents were taken by Joe Biden is when he was vice president. A former vice president has got him all over the place all kinds of buildings, uh, including a garage next to his uh, Corvette. Uh, why, why is that okay? Why did they just say, oh, have your attorneys just go through those documents and send us back the ones you have questions about? Yes, there is a real uh, question about the disparate treatment. Disturbing to all of us is that we don't have 
a media anymore that is interested in pursuing truth. It's just all about narrative telling and keeping their party of preference in power. Well, we're going to talk about things now on the more local statewide level here in the state of Missouri and how, you know, there's 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 definitely that tension as well in the in the swamp sludge of Jefferson City to talk about that and so much more. Frequent friend of the show, our our uh, senator from the southwestern lands, Missouri State Senator Jill Carter, joining us once again. She's at Jill Carter 32 on Twitter. Senator, good morning to you. Welcome back to KWTO. Well, good morning, Tim. How are you? We're doing fine today, Jill. Thank you so much. You know, Senator, before we get into some of the news um, here in the state of Missouri uh, regarding legislation, public policy, and politics, I did want to ask you about one of your successors that that I served with in the House and that many of your colleagues uh, served with in the Senate, our good friend, the late Speaker of the House, Senate President Pro Tem, Ron Richard. Joe, I'm sure you got to know or got to see or got to meet Ron Richard over the years. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to give your reflections and your remembrances of him. Wow. I just, um, looking over the life of Ron, um, he was somebody who got into politics. I think he ran, he first got elected as the Joplin City Council member in 1990, which was the year I graduated. Um, <laughs> he was somebody, he was somebody that if you were, if you were involved in politics at all, you knew the name Ron Richard. He was a household name. Um, he was somebody I watched from a distance when I got more involved in politics, going up to the Capitol on some issues. And after my election, he was somebody who was on speed dial quite a few times if I needed something and or just needed clarification or had a concern. And he always was quick to take the call or, you know, one time in particular, I texted him and said, hey, do you have a minute? And he said, yes. And he was Johnny on the spot. He really did care about the institution um, in the Senate. He cares about, he still cared about um, decorum. He was all about um, bringing dignity to those offices. And, and his heart and passion was, you know, for the, for the state and for the people. Mm. Well, well, well stated, Senator. You know, he, um, I, he was such a historian, too. He cared so much about, as you just said, the institution, preserving it. He, he knew that his time uh, because of term limits was going to be limited and he knew that he served in the, the people's house and the people's Senate. And he, uh, he always took the time to preserve not only the buildings themselves, he did so much to preserve our, our poor old decrepit buildings. You know, they're over a hundred years old now uh, because he wanted future generations of Missourians to speak that to, to, to see them. But like you said, it was also just the institution it, itself that he cared very deeply about as well. And he will be, he will be greatly missed. Senator, one of the, Sorry, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Go right ahead. I was just going to say he was definitely a political godfather. Yeah, that's a that's a great great way to put it. Indeed, the only the only person in Missouri history to serve at the top spot in both legislative chambers. Uh, Senator, speaking of the upper chamber, one of the upper chamber's priorities, one of your priorities over the last. Uh, session, your first session, was two of the bills that actually got across the finish line, two of the very few, right? And that would be the uh, Save Women's Sports Act and the SAFE Act to protect kids from all sorts of bizarre, strange uh, experimentation on them. Senator, talk about why you felt it important in your first year in the Senate to be so involved with Senator Mike Moon and the others to try to get those bills across the finish line, which you did. Well, I think that what we're seeing is 
just an attack on our children across the board, you know, um, from womb to later in life. Um, and if we, one role of government is to protect the innocent. And I think that, that that is one of the, this bill, the SAFE Act is one of those bills. We had seven weeks remaining when it passed. It was something that we wanted to take up and get done early on in session. It was a priority of the caucus. Um, I think when we were all finished, there was a 15-hour filibuster um, by the Democrats, but it voted out of the Senate on a 24 to 8 vote. I think, honestly, Tim, this is one of the bills I think that may have set a record as far as co-sponsorships. By the time we were done, there were 18 mm. co-sponsors. Mm. And, um, and so... I, I think it was a priority. I think it was something that, that a lot of us wanted to see get across the finish line. I know there was a little bit, there was a little bit of a tug of war as to when that was going to happen in the Senate. But um, I think we pushed once we opened, took that bandaid off, you know, we wanted to make sure that we got it across the finish line. And I'm, I'm glad that we did. Boy, that's really notable. I did not know that, Jill, that there were 18 coasts. Get, getting 18 senators to agree on anything these days is a notable achievement. So the fact that you had, a total of 18 co-sponsors on the on those pieces of legislation was important. Senator, equally, how important was it for the governor to uh, actually, you know, make note of signing these bills? You know, he's he he signed them early uh, a week or two ago. I think he has until like mid July to decide whether to sign or veto all legislation. Uh, he did not just let those bills go into law. You can do that. There's a pocket signature in Missouri. He actually had a signing ceremony. He signed them early. He made a big deal out of it. How important was it that our governor brought attention to that, like so many other governors in other states that have done the same thing? Well, I think it sends a message of unification. I think it sends a message that that it was a priority of the Republican Party. I think it sends a message to, I mean, to our red state, you know, that these are issues that we're willing to take a lead on, um, especially when we're watching other red states that have passed legislation similar to this. It does have a sunset in four years. So that's something that we're going to have to try to take up and just, um, you know, wade mm-hmm. through. But, but I do think that um, with what we're seeing happen in Europe and other places, I think we're headed the right direction. And, and a lot of this is just, some of it is very emotionally driven. And I think sometimes we have to pull ourselves out of the, that emotion and just say, really, it's not about, it's not about um, what, what appears to be the issue. It really is just about protecting kids and doing what's right, you know, for those kids. When you see that Europe is banning it and all of these other states, and that really doesn't help um, with depression and things like that, as they say that it does, it actually, it, the indications are that it actually exasperates depression. Um, those are some of the issues that we're wanting to just make sure that, that we're dealing with in a, in a way that, that helps our kids. Mm-hmm. And how important is it for 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 women, young ladies to speak up on this? I've, I've, been, I've been taking note that more and more are coming forward. People from previous generations who were the trailblazers like Martina Navratilova have spoken up about this. Uh, and uh, everyone in between uh, down to Riley Gaines. And I just saw last week several of her teammates finally came forward. We, and we learned why they didn't come forward previously. They were basically threatened by the NCAA and some of these very powerful uh, institutions that told them not to come forward. But now uh, they're able to do that. They have the courage. We need to encourage more young women, young ladies to come forward as well. And the men in their lives need to stand by them too, don't they? Because this is so critical to our next generation of leaders, isn't it? Oh, I, I completely agree. I think one of the most 
pivotal moments in this session for me was having Chloe Cole and Luca Hine come and speak to me in my office. Mm. I invited other um, women senators to come down and visit. And, and in a time where diversity, equity, and inclusion is being pushed, you know, so heavily, it is, it's difficult to say, to stand up and say, look, I, I should be included that as a woman, I should be included in that part of diversity. Right. But that doesn't mean that I have to necessarily give up my womanhood to say that I don't agree with, you know, whether it's competing in, in women's sports or things like that, that a lot of this is, again, not the emotion attached to it, but what is it that we're doing as a culture mm. at the cost of someone else? You know what I'm saying? And so, yes. but to have those women come and sit in my office and talk about their experience as young teenagers going through transition and to learn kind of up through the process that it really, their, their depression, their anxiety was actually, actually being um, exasperated by some of the processes and that their parents had been told that if they didn't want blood on their hands, that they were going to have to help support them through this process. So it wasn't something that even the parents wanted to do or felt right about, but med- the medical professionals had told them that if they didn't, then their kids would be, continue to be more depressed and more anxious. And so that was just a really eye-opening experience for me. I think it's one of those experiences that I will never forget having those young girls talk about um, their life experience and what they've gone through. And once they started to detransition and the pain and the weight and toil on, on their, on their bodies, even um, it was just something that definitely made it easier to stand up and say, no, this is the right thing that we're doing. Such powerful testimony. Folks, we've been speaking with Missouri State Senator Jill Carter. She's at JillCarter32 on Twitter. Uh, Senator, before we let you go, we're now in the interim, your first interim session. What are you up to these days? What do you want folks to know about what you're working on in preparation for next year? Well, um, I appreciate that, the opportunity there. Um, I'm doing a children's task force meeting. I've got a meeting with... um, Today, actually, after Ron Richards viewing, we've got a meeting, a roundtable meeting with all of our school district. Our teachers have been, all been invited to a roundtable meeting on education concerns. Um, I'm participating in the Education Commission of the state. Um, I'm one of seven commissioners, education commissioners for the state. So we'll be attending at a conference in um, Minnesota, I think that is. And so that's coming up, trying to prepare for that. And then also just spending time with constituents. I think that's one of my favorite things is going and spending time with, you know, the local pharmacist and going and spending time with the local teacher and the small business owners. And that's something that I'm just really passionate about and have enjoyed doing and hope to do more of. Well, you're obviously embracing the office and the responsibility there, too. And we thank you so much for that and all the service that you give the folks of your district and the state of Missouri in general. Senator Jill Carter, our guest here this morning. Jill, thank you so much for all the time. God bless, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Uh, There she goes. Senator Jill Carter, at Jill Carter 32 on Twitter. Man, I'll tell you, one of the true bright beacons in the Missouri State Senate. I'm so glad that she was elected last year, and we're going to definitely continue to have her on the show to tell you what's going on down here in southwest Missouri. All right, we're going to get to a break now. It is 731 in the heartland. Don Luzader got all the local news you need to know. When we come back, we can take your phone calls. We'll have those phone lines open. 417-866-0933. 417-866-0933. Tim's top three and Gabe Pfeiffer coming up at 8.05 and 8.15. Lots more straight ahead on a very busy Tuesday morning here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO.
93.3 and AM 560. KWTO News. KWTO News time is 732. Fair skies. We're at 59 degrees in Springfield. Sunshine today with a high near 80 degrees. A man from Nixus facing felony charges after allegedly photographing himself having sex with a minor. Adam Reed is charged with sexual exploitation of a minor and possession of child pornography. The victim contacted police, told them about having sexual contact with Reed when the victim was 17. The victim told investigators that Reed had photographed the encounters and threatened that if she told anyone that they would, she would be in trouble for having child pornography. Reed has not been arrested yet. The city of Springfield is sending out citizen surveys. The city says those surveys have been mailed to 12,000 randomly chosen households. The Springfield city limits. It's intended to gather feedback about city programs and services ranging from community services, public safety, parks and recreation, code enforcement, public works, and communication. The survey is estimated to take about 15 minutes to complete. Responses of illegal aliens have been released into our communities. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. Just a young gun. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. This state continues to be the tentpole of the American economy. 25.6% of all American jobs came from this state in April. In the last two fiscal years, we enjoyed $177.7 billion in operating surpluses. We're on our way to be the fourth largest economy, eat your heart out, Germany, in the world. That's suspicious. That's weird. It really is. You know, with 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 economic statistics, especially when you're dealing with a state as gigantic as California, you can cherry you can cherry pick and choose anything you want to make it sound like look, here's the thing. <clears throat> does California have a lot of economic activity? Sure it does. Sure it does. So Gavin Newsom can sit there and pick and choose whatever statistics he wants. But the the 35,000 foot, this is not arguable. He lost he being the governor of California, so I'm putting the blame on him. He, California, they lost, they lost population, which resulted in them losing a congressional seat. The first time they've lost a congressional seat since we started adding congressional seats in California. I don't know what, 100 years ago. So, okay, it'd be like saying, okay, here, here would be an analogy. Let's say. You have a hundred businesses in a state. And let's say 99 of those businesses leave. But for whatever weird anomaly, the one business that's left, maybe because all the other 99 businesses are, are gone, the one business that's left, let's say they, they double their profits in one year. Okay. So you have a hundred businesses. 99 of them leave. The one that's left doubles its profits. So Gavin Newsom's headline would be, Look at California businesses. They're doubling their profits. And then the interviewer, Sean Hannity, would say, um, yeah, but it's the only business left in your state. So maybe it's just because everybody else left. So they're, they're, they're the only ones that people could go to. But, Governor, 99 businesses left your state. Well, I, I, I know 99 businesses left, but look at this business here. It doubled its profits in one year. See, you can – that's what I mean by cherry-picking cherry picking. Uh, information to your benefit. Overall, 
<clears throat> Gavin Newsom, he can he's a really good debater. He is a really good arguer of whatever facts that he might want to cherry pick. Okay. But on the big ticket items that show the on the micro, he's really good on the micro. Okay. He can spin a yarn like nobody's like nobody's business. But on the macro, on the macro level, California is suffering. Come on. Does anybody not think that's true? How, what is this? I'm going to have to go back because, because Hannity did ask him that question. Maybe, maybe it's because he gave a non answer that I can't remember it. Hannity said to him, Governor, for the first state, for the first time in your state's history, California has lost population. And that was proven by the fact that the federal government through the census decided that you needed to lose a congressional seat. And you did. I think they were supposed to lose more than one. Um, but of course, Joe Biden's administration was in charge of the census. So I think they jury rigged the census numbers. Many have argued that they did. I'm not just making this up. There were stories on this around the time it happened. And so he didn't lose as many as he was supposed to, but they lost a congressional seat. I think New York lost three, maybe two or three. And you know who gained them? Florida. So you can't argue, argue with the macro. Why is California the land of, it should, okay, here's the thing. The other thing is, Despite how great California should be, and let's remember, for all you youngsters, California was once the land of Ronald Reagan. It was once a much more Republican-leaning state. Ronald Reagan was the Republican governor. Arnold Schwarzenegger, until he became kind of a bit of a, a, a goofball, he was a Republican governor in, our, in many of our lifetimes of California. So there, California is so freaking big that it could... I believe it's it's tough to turn the Titanic, but if there's if there's a state that could, it would be California because it's got so much to offer. Did I talk about this yesterday? I think I talked about the fact that my bashing of California has little to do with the state itself and has everything to do with its political leadership. I've had the opportunity to visit California. I haven't been the state is so big, you can only go so many places when you visit there because you only have so much time. I've mainly been to Southern California. I've been to San Diego a number of times. And I know people say, well, that's not real crazy California because there's so many military men and women there. Southern California tends to be still slight. It's hard to even say conservative. I think listener Joe is uh, not able to listen to it. I think he's got some training at work, he told me, but he'd be, he'd be chiming in right now, correcting me or telling me I'm right. <clears throat> Southern California is less crazy place than California, although they're, they're kind of going off the deep end too. I've only been to like the middle-ish part of the state, like the San Francisco, Sonoma, Napa Valley place region. I've only been there one time. I went there for a conference, got to see it, got to experience a little bit of wine country. But what from what little I've seen of California, I've been to the Reagan Ranch a couple times. It's a beautiful state with amazing weather. And the all the, the people there are good, hardworking Americans. They're not all flaky leftist lunatics. There's a bunch of those there. If California would just get its act together and stop literally trying to fall, force itself into the ocean with its leftward tilt, they could recover, I think, very quickly because they've got so much to offer. Number one, they have a gigantic landmass, the largest state by geography. Well, is Alaska? I think Alaska is bigger than California. Don, is Alaska bigger than California? I'll double check I on that for is. you. I think, I think landmass wise it is. 
Uh, but California is easily the, the most populous state in the country. It's got great weather. You could fit it California great- into Alaska four times. Oh, my goodness. We, we forget, Don, how big Alaska yeah, is. It's bigger yeah. than Texas, California, <laughs> and Montana combined. Holy smokes. Okay. So Alaska is still the biggest bed geography. California has the most population. It's got great natural resources, if we would use them. It has, it has wonderful weather. It has so much to offer, but its political leadership have destroyed it. So Gavin Newsom, where was I going with all this? Gavin Newsom is really good at arguing all the micro. He's really good at the, he's excellent at the small ball. When you hit him between the eyes, though, with the big macro fast pitches, I don't think he's got much room to argue. He'll try to weasel out of it, but it does it doesn't pass the smell test. You know what I mean? But he should not be. I think my point of all this is he can put lipstick on a pig and make you want to kiss it because he is a really slick politician. Do not underestimate Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom is no Joe Biden. He's 10,000 times better. Even when Joe Biden was coherent back in the day, Gavin Newsom would have been able to take him in a debate. Gavin Newsom's really good. He and from that, the other thing I learned from that interview last night, nobody said this. Gavin Newsom wants to, and I believe will, run for president of the United States of America. He's either going to step in now if this Biden Burisma bribery scandal goes south on Joe Biden and the Biden criminal crime family, or he's going to run in 28 for sure. There's no, I have, unless something really wacky weird happens in his personal life or otherwise on the political scene. You heard it right here first. Gavin Newsom will run for president. He's putting all the pieces into play. Why would he go on Sean Hannity of all places? He's trying to expand his audience. He's trying to convince people to buy his snake oil. And I believe he is extremely dangerous indeed. He's the California Obama. And he's got the gravitas to boot with it. Not saying I like the guy. Not saying I agree with him. I think he's crazy. But he's really good at what he does. All right, let's get to a break now. Um, you're not going to believe, maybe you will, because in today's world, we can just believe about anything. What happened yesterday at a White House Pride Month event? Let me just say, they may have bared it all. We'll have that story when oh, we come back no. here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. From the KWTO Traffic Center. Doing really good on the streets of Springfield. No crashes to tell you about this time around. Glen Avenue will be closing for about two months between Division and Calhoun Street. That will actually start at 7 a.m. this coming Monday, June 19th, for the widening of Glen Avenue and sidewalk improvements. Americans, someone do something about it. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. This state has not made progress in the last two decades as it relates to homelessness. Why? Because housing costs are too high, our regulatory thickets are too problematic, localism has been too impactful, meaning people locally are pushing back against new housing starts and construction. 
Well, you're the governor, dude, and you're in your second term. So he's admitting the fail, but he's blaming it on everyone but himself. Gavin Newsom last night in an interview with Sean Hannity, that was one of the tactics he used uh, when Sean – Sean excoriated him last night. But I'll tell you what, Gavin Newsom had basically an answer for everything. Some of it didn't pass the smell test, but it was uh, it was an interesting interview indeed. I'm glad it happened. I hope – you know, Americans can now decide to uh, – and I, I, they can decide they – they can decide for themselves if they want to buy the snake oil that Gavin Newsom is selling about crazy California. You're not going to believe what happened on the White House lawn. Our our country, Joe Biden is turning the White House into a brothel and is making a mockery of the United States of America on the national stage. We'll get to that in a second after we get to our next caller. Caller Matt joining us this morning. Matt, good morning to you. Welcome to KWTO. Yeah, good morning, Mr. Jones. Great show. Love getting you twice a day. That's a lot of information. You do a lot of research and you really care about the state. It's refreshing to see. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Uh, what did you have for us today, sir? Yeah, I was going to, I thought it was California that fell, but you were correct. California still most populous state at 39 million. And then Texas, Florida overtook New York. New York. That's fell. correct. So they're gonna, yeah. They're going to lose um, even more representatives and congressmen. To con- so when they redo, well, when is the next, census uh another eight years from now mm-hmm. yeah so yeah but matt, matt, that's another we... matt matt that's another one of those macro items that that the left has should have a hard time arguing against right so new york was the second most populous state as you pointed out they no longer are uh florida has jumped into that spot so new york losing people and congressional seats florida gaining people in congressional seats. Matt, there's got to be a reason for that, right? But the, the left never wants to admit what it is. No, it's, that's, uh, that's their illegal, or I'm sorry, their immigration process. Not easy. That's how they justify it. it. They'll argue anything, and of course, it's always to their benefit. They, they're not rational people. It's insanity. And it's, it is frustrating. Look, I mean, like you said, just watch uh, Gavin Newsom. Uh, people, some people are... I guess giving him kudos for his interview, but he refused to answer a question. And I didn't think that's good politics. I just thought that was cowardly about um, him always talking to Brandon and being in the White House and being, I haven't seen one newsreel where Gavin Newsom was at the White House or with Biden. Matt, that is a great point. You are so, you're right. I can't think of a time where, Gavin Newsom was arm in arm with Joe Biden. He probably doesn't want to be photographed within, you know, a thousand yards of Biden at this point in time. I think you're right about he, that. He said he's been in the White House. He's been on Marine One. He's been on Air right. Force One. He's been there. When in the last year have you seen a single video clip, a picture of those two together? It's not, I mean, they just lie out of every orifice of their body. It's unbelievable. Yep. And they don't think of a, they don't think that those of us out here in flyover country have the internet. I mean, then we can't look things up and watch videos for our own. Matt, thanks so much for calling the show. Great call. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, sir. Keep it up. Yeah, thank you very much. There's Matt there with his great introspection. So, Cass, Don, guess what happened at the White House yesterday? The People's House. I'm dying to know. The the leader Ooh, of the free world. Pick me. Pick me. <laughs> Cass, what happened at the White House? Pride oh Fest. Pride Fest happened on the White House lawn and a transgender activist, a male, a biological male who is now 
playing the ultimate dress up with body parts and all playing a female decided to bare his breasts at the Biden White House Pride event. Uh, okay, see right there? Mm-hmm. Right there, Timmy? Mm-hmm. Literally, right there. Just now, Timmy? Literally? Just now, qualified for the Special Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Rose, <clears throat> Rose Montoya, who was born a man, born a male, biologically, and has now been surgically altered, decided <laughs> to bear his very... <laughs> voluptuous female breasts um, at the White House at the Pride event. Oh boy! On the White House lawn, Don. That's what we're doing now, and showing the world how proud we are about our transgender activists. Oh my! Wasn't he next to a biological woman who had cut off her breasts? Yes. Too? Yeah. Yes. In the same Disgusting. picture. So, so now we we've turned the White House into a peep show. Maybe not even a peep show. It's more like a full-blown night at the Roxy. I mean, it's just, is, are, are you on the left? Are you liberals ashamed at any of this? Or is, or is nothing shocking anymore? Is nothing shocking? Or, see, Tucker Carlson talked about this very thing. Cast, you have that Tucker Carlson clip about how you completely conquer a nation by removing it's taboos. Can you play yeah. that? And then we'll go to our break here. Tucker Carl. Okay. So I just told you that at the White House Pride event, everybody was running around half naked on the White House lawn with pride flags hanging next to the American flag at the White House. My only pride flag is the red, white, and blue, the stars and stripes. That's the only pride flag I need. Tucker Carlson, whether he knew he was knowing, whether he knew he was talking about it or not, is a perfect response to what we saw at the White House Pride event. Let's say you wanted to control a country. How would you start? Well, you'd want to make sure you had the complete obedience of everybody inside your borders who was authorized to use deadly force. You would start with the military and then federal law enforcement and move your way down ultimately to agencies like the IRS. Controlling the guns would be a top priority for you if you ever wanted to go dictatorial, if you wanted to be baby doc. But let's say you had deeper ambitions. Let's say you wanted the power not simply to control people's behavior, but to control how they think, not just their bodies, but their minds, as a god would. In that case, you need to take charge of the society's taboos. A taboo is something that by popular consensus is not allowed. A taboo may not be illegal, but it doesn't need to be. Over time, social prohibitions are more powerful and more enduring than laws. There you go. Tucker Carlson talking about how you destroy a nation, how you destroy a country. You remove all of its taboos. Yes, guys. I watched some of the videos of Joe Biden's speech at said Pride event yesterday, and I really wanted to intersperse clips of him saying, United States, your precedent's behind you. Gay, bisexuals, lesbians, all of the above. We support you. We affirm you. I wanted to intersperse those clips with clips of him not even like, what, 10, 15 years ago, uh, just vehemently and adamantly saying, Marriage is between a man and a woman, a man and a woman. That is an institution of marriage. Him and Obama both would die on that hill just 15, maybe 20 years ago, max. And then now he's Mr. President of the affirming the alphabet army and mafia, whatever. It, it doesn't make sense. And it's, it's amazing that they're not calling out that whenever they'll cancel somebody like Morgan Wallen over saying the N word 10 years ago on a TikTok video. Of course. It's all about the present. They want to erase the past. It's all about what they can do 
to uh, to to mind meld you into whatever current present fake fiction that they want. Yep, transgender transgender activists bearing all on the White House lawn. Oh, we should all be so quote proud here in Pride Month while the world laughs at us.